0: pray. Amen. All right, how many of you, by a show of hands, have watched any of the World Cup? Have any of you been watching this? Uh, okay, wow, a lot of people, yeah. All right, now, I'll be honest, I'm not a soccer expert, which is ironic because I'm running a soccer camp next week, but whatever. Um, I don't really even know, you know, I, if you ask me to name five people on the U.S. team, I probably could not do that. I'm sorry, but I have watched the games, and, and it's fascinating to me that the World Cup maybe other than the Olympics as the other exception, is the one time or the one thing that our whole country seems to kind of rally around. You know, in New York you have Mets or Yankees, Rangers or Islanders, Jets or Giants, Nets or Knicks. It, you know, even as a country, we're, we're very divided from the standpoint of, um, you know, politics and Republican and Democrat and You know, our views on education or gun control and different things like that. But when people slap this jersey on that says USA and they start kicking a ball around, somehow all those differences seem to kind of fade away. And everybody's on the same page chanting like lunatics, USA, USA. And and places are filled up with these people just going crazy for our soccer team. Which, side note, I think the next game's Tuesday, right? I don't know, but, but, uh, but, but it's, it's so interesting how, as, as a country, we could set aside those differences and come together and be united for one singular cause. Well, I was thinking that this week as I started preparing this text and looking through Philippians 3 and looking at what Paul is trying to state here. He's trying to rally everybody together for a common cause, something that we could all get behind as believers in Christ and say, you know what, I am 100% behind these truths. I'm 100% sold in, I'm buying in 100% to what these truths are. And so I thought we'd take a few minutes this morning to just examine three basic truths that I think come out of this text. And so if you have your notes, if you want to follow along, the first first, uh, eternal truth that I think is essential for us to understand is that we must be born again. We must be born again. And you say, well, where does this come from? Well, the idea of being born again it actually goes back to Jesus' words in John chapter 3, where he's having this conversation with Nicodemus. And with Nicodemus, Nicodemus says, how can I earn eternal salvation? And Jesus says, you must be born again. And he says, well, what does this mean, be born again? How can one go back into their mother's womb? What does this concept mean of born again? And Jesus explains that when you are born again, you have laid down your life for Christ, and you are no longer living for yourself. And Paul echoes this here in chapter, in chapter 3 that we just read. As a matter of fact, he, he also says it in the book of Galatians, in chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I myself no longer live but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. And he talks about this foundation, this truth that says we are nothing without Christ. We only get to spend eternity with Christ if we are born again, if we have put our our trust and our faith in him. Now, here's the interesting thing. I think especially in uh, in the United States and our part of the world, we've kind of transformed a little bit of what it means to make a decision to follow Christ. So often, I think pastors and youth pastors and, and people have said, all right, if you want to accept the gift of Christ, you need to fill out a card or you need to raise your hand and then you're good. You're, you're set for life. You, you fill out a card, and then you're good. Or you, you raise your hand one time when you're five. You could live how you want to for the rest of your life, but you, you filled out a card, you raised your hand, you, you came forward one time, and that was it. Well, unfortunately, although the intent behind those things are good, there's nowhere in the Bible that Jesus says... Fill out a card, give me your information first, and then you can follow me. Or, or raise your hand, and then you'll have eternity. Now, I'm not mocking those things. Those are great ways to make a commitment and make a decision to follow Christ. But there's more to it than that. We need to understand that once we've accepted the free gift of salvation from Christ, and we've decided to become born again, there's a, tra- there's a change. There's a transformation. We no longer live for ourselves. We are born again. And so we begin this new life, and some of us begin it at a very early age of 7 or 8 or 9. Some of us are much older in life and later in life, and they're 70 or 80 or even 90 when they begin this new life in Christ. But there is a change that happens. Now, I think so often, you know, we've had... Billions, with a B, of people that have walked this earth, that have lived here at one point and have gone home to eternity and have passed away. And I think billions of people have thought the way to salvation is through doing good deeds or showing up at church or, or you know, they can rattle off all the things they've done that, um, that are impressive. But, you know, one of the, the scariest passages to me is in the book of Matthew it says this, Jesus is talking, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers." one of those passages that kind of makes your stomach turn you can't like read that comfortably and be like all right next next verse that's a that's a gripping passage there because what's that saying is the word was many many of the billions of people who have lived here on earth that have been good people have gone on and died and stood before God and they've said listen, listen to what I did. I went to church on Christmas and Easter last year. I gave money. I helped some old ladies cross the road one time. I did a lot of really good things. And their expectation is God's going to say, wow, well Come on in. Come on down. But the reality is God says, away from me. I never knew you. And so... I I want you to think for a second. I know it's kind of a morbid thought, but we're all going to die at one point. What is your response going to be when you die? And that moment could come 10 minutes from now, 10 years from now, for some of you, 80 years from now. What is going to happen on that moment when you're standing before God? Because we're all going to face that reality, and billions of people have. What are you going to say? Have you thought this through? you haven't, you probably should. But if if, what are you going to say before when you get before God? Are you going to start rattling off your resume, your credentials? Listen, I grew up at New Village Church. I didn't miss a Sunday. I did this. I helped with Sunday school. I helped with VBS. I ran a soccer camp. I don't even like soccer. I don't know. Are you going to start rattling off your resume? Or are you going to start bringing up your hardships? Oh, God, you don't understand. I definitely deserve heaven because listen to what happened to me. My wife left me. I, my, my job, I got laid off three times in the past year. Uh, I'm, I, we got kicked out of our apartment. We got... If that's your plan, that's not good enough. And I know that sounds harsh, but here's the promise. My answer, and I hope your answer is going to be, and I, I'd like to think that I'm standing before God, but when I'm in the presence of God, I might be on my, uh, on my knees, I might be sobbing, who knows what it's going to be like, but my answer is going to be this, Jesus. I trust in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. That's it. Not, I trust in Jesus plus I worked at a church for several years. Or, I trust in Jesus plus I was a really good guy. It's Jesus. That's it. And I wonder for us in here today, I think most of us can say that, but if our faith and trust is not in Jesus Christ, our eternity is going to be a lot different than what we think, what we're envisioning now. The only way... To spend eternity with, with God the Father is through putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's a story, and I've tried to test the validity of this this week. I've looked at it several times. I think it's true, but don't, don't hold me to this story. Either way, it's a great story. There was a guy named John that fought in the Civil War, and he went off to, went off to battle. And he had a brother and a father that were also fighting in the war. Well, after several months of battle, the father and the brother were both killed in, in, in battle. And so the son, John, returned home to his mother, who was staying at home by herself during this time. And he breaks the news to the mother that um, that the, the father and the, the other uh, brother had passed away in the battle. And so the mother is sobbing hysterically, and she begs John please, you're my last family member left, I need you to try your best to get discharged from the army, from the battle so that you can take care of me. Please explain to anyone that you can that you need to get out, you need to take care of your mom." And so John Feels for his mother and realizes that this is the right thing to do at this point in his life. And so John decides he's going right to the top, he's going to the White House. And so John goes right down to the White House and he goes right up, again this is a long time ago, but he goes right up through the front gates of the White House, right down the front path of the White House and gets right up to the door and there's these two guards standing there and they kind of turn and they block him. And he said, please sir, my name is John, I'm a soldier, a ghost goes to his whole story. Listen to what happened. My dad died, my brother died. I need to go see the president, please. I said, nope. Nobody goes to visit the president. Please, please, please. I will give you any amount of money. I will do anything. Please, please, please. Let me in to see the president. Just five minutes. No. He gets down on his hands and knees. He's begging. He's sobbing. I need to. I need to. No. And so John gets up and walks dejected across the street, and there still is to this very day a park down the street from the White House, and he sits in this park, and he notices children playing, and he just sits on the bench and just starts sobbing, realizing he's going to need to go back to war, and there's a chance he may be killed, and his mom will be home f- by herself for the rest of his life. And he's sitting there deep in thought, and this little boy comes up and sits down next to him. And the boy says, what, what's wrong, mister? And John's like, go play, kid. He said, no, 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 what's wrong? So he's like, I can't believe I'm explaining this to some little twerpy five- or six-year-old kid, but let me tell you my life history. And so he starts going through the story. Look, my dad died. My brother died. I came here to see the the president. They won't let me. Fine. You're happy? Now go play. And the kid looks at him and says, I I think I can help you. God, John's like, you're five. How are you going to help me? No, no, I think you can help me. I I think I can help you. Come, Come here. So he starts following the boy, and the boy starts going up the front of the White House again, and John's like, Bud, stop, stop, I already tried this. And the kid says, no, no, come here, come here. So the kid starts walking, keeps walking, gets right up to the guards, and John's like, oh, here we go again. Gets right up to the guards, and the guards move out of the way and open up the door. And the kid's, the guy, John's like, what in the world? What what is this kid How how did this happen? So he follows the kid. Now the kid starts walking through the White House. And John's, you know, looking around like, oh my gosh, I'm definitely going to get in trouble for this. And he starts turning down hallway after hallway after hallway. He sees a door marked private. The kid opens the door, goes right in. Now John's thinking, this is not going to end well at all. And he starts going through door after door until finally they get to the door marked Oval Office where where the president is. The kid reaches up turns the doorknob, walks right in. And now John's like, I can't believe this is happening. And he follows the boy, and the boy walks right up to the front desk of the president, and he says, Dad, I need you to meet somebody. And he explains John's story. And he says, this man needs you, and I need you to do me a favor, Dad. Please discharge this man from the war. Abraham Lincoln, the, the, the president of the time, at the time, stuck out his hand and shook the hand of the soldier. See, the young boy was Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's son. And it's a really cool story, but if you think of it in biblical, in, in the scheme of what we're trying to get at here, this man couldn't get to the father without the son. He didn't have access to the father or any of the father's ability Without knowing the Son and without following the Son, not oh, cool. And that's the truth. As Christians, we're not better than anyone else. We don't do more good things than anyone else. We just have access to the Father through the Son. John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the key difference between Christianity and many other religions is many other religions, they work to get to their figurehead. They work their way up. They try to earn their salvation. Our difference is our Savior has come down to us. Jesus has said, I'm available. I'm your gift. I'm your salvation. It's through me. And so that's one key truth that I hope all of us in this room can stand behind and stand firm on, that we must be born again. But the second truth is this, if you're filling in the blanks, here here it is, we must look forward with anticipation to the prize. You know, we... Paul, back in, to back up for a second, Paul in chapter 3 listed all his credentials, why he could have, you know, he says in verse, um, at, the, at the beginning, if anyone has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, and he lists his resume, but then he says, but it's nothing without knowing Christ. And his eye is on the prize. Look at what he says in verse 12. Not that I've obtained this or I'm already made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And Sorry, and and verse 13, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus he's straining his focus is all on the prize if you can keep your finger there in the bible and flip back a little bit to the the book of um or i'm sorry flip forward to colossians it's just over a few pages colossians chapter three just go read the first five verses colossians chapter three should probably only be maybe two or three pages over to the right Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death... Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He's saying here, focus on heaven. Now, I've been talking for about 10 minutes now, 15 minutes now. I don't know if you've been zoning out or you're with me, but imagine if I pulled out a box and I propped it up here on this stand and I told you that this box had 10 million dollars in it. And then I told you, no this isn't real, sorry, but, but then I told you that this box would be given to one of you at the end of this service. One person, there's no catch, one person will walk out of here with $10 million today. Do you think you'd go, huh, all right, what's the third point? <laughs> no, I would hope that your mind, you wouldn't stop looking at that box. Some of you might actually attack me for the box. Your whole focus probably would be on, oh my gosh, $10 million, who's going to win? What, what, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh, could you imagine if I won the 10 million? What, what would I do? You know what, these are really nice people here, so I should start making deals with people in case someone else wins. Maybe someone else in my pew will all go in together. How's he going to give the 10 million? What's he going to? Your focus is going to be on this prize. We're not going to wrap up the sermon in a few minutes and I say, amen, have a good rest of the day, go go home. And you guys go, oh, oh, wait, wasn't there something about $10 Wait, hold up, time out. You said someone was getting the prize. That's all I've been thinking about is the prize. What are you talking about it's over? Your goal, your focus would be on the prize. Well, the prize in Christ Jesus and having a relationship with him is far greater than $10 million. And yet, how few times do we think about eternity? So few times do we think about what heaven will be like. Do we think in terms of the eternal? Do we think and make decisions based on eternity? Rather, as as human beings, so often we think about what's temporal, all the things that are temporary and fade away. We think about having the latest phone or storing up all our, our, our money and, and making sure mine, 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 and valuing our possessions rather than thinking in light of eternity, those things don't matter. Let's go back to the billions of people that, that have gone on and, and, and some are with Jesus Christ right now in, in, in heaven if they could come back and think of a a loved one that you know that maybe is in heaven right now, if they could come back and talk to us right now, what would they say? I guarantee you, I I don't know exactly what they would say, but I guarantee you they wouldn't tell you to work more hours and save up more money. I guarantee you they wouldn't tell you to, to get the latest iPhone or to get the latest gadget. But I do guarantee you that they would say something along the lines of this eternity is going to blow your mind. Wait, you, you, you think you know what heaven's like, you people here on earth, but you don't even know. The songs that you're singing here, man, wait till you get to worship in heaven. Wait, you think that the sermons here are okay? Wait till you get to heaven. Wait, it's unbelievable. There's an old hymn, we're going to close the service in a few minutes with it, that says, What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. I think too often some of us think of this just in terms of of a fairy tale or like, oh, yeah, maybe that'll happen. This is real. Do we believe it? That one day, those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ are going to spend eternity with Him. We're going to spend forever. And so in, in, in Mark, it says, it reminds us we need to be watchful because we don't know when that day is coming, when he's coming back, or when we're going home to him. But we need to be watchful. We need to be ready. And we need to continue to strive, as Paul says here, for the goal. It doesn't mean a life is going to be easy. But if we fix our, if we change the way we view life and we change our, our um, perspective on eternity, that, you know what, all these things are temporary. It changes the way we view our relationships. It changes the way we view our trials and our problems. It changes everything. And I can't wait for that moment. We're not done yet, because here's my third and final point. And it's just that. The final point is that he is not finished with us yet. And if you want to make it more personal, you can put the word you. He is not finished with you yet. Or even more personal, write your own name in that blank. He is not finished with Tim yet. Because you sit here and I, I paint this picture and God's word paints this picture of this beautiful eternity where there will be no more sorrow, no more pain. This, we're just worshiping God all day. We don't worry about our job, our money, our nothing, no worries. And I've heard some Christians that have struggled with depression and struggle with their their life go, well, then why don't I just go there now? What's, like, what's the purpose of this? Why are we even here? You know, if this place is so great, what, let's just end it. Let's, let's go there. But I assure you this, if you are alive today, which I think, I think we're all doing pretty well so far through this service, uh, if you're alive today on June whatever day is, 29th, maybe, on June 29th, 2014, if you're alive and you're awake and, and you're here, your heart is beating and you're breathing in air and breathing out, then God is working on you. God has you here for a reason. God has me here for a reason on this planet right here in Lake Grove, New York for a reason. For this very day. I think too often we just kind of think we're just roaming through life, kind of going through the routine. Wake up, eat your breakfast, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to sleep. What was the purpose of that? God has a purpose. He does. And so he's using you as His and me as his instruments, as his tools to further the kingdom of Christ. He has you here for a reason. Philippians 1, verse 6. He who has begun a good work in you will continue it, will carry it out until the day when Christ Jesus returns. I don't know. I've used this analogy so many times with my youth group kids, but I don't know if you've ever played with Play-Doh or clay or anything like that. Yes, now my fingers are going to be orange for the soup and salad lunch, but that's okay. I'll wash up beforehand. But, but this idea of clay I'm not an artist, so two things you've learned about me. I'm not a soccer expert, not an artist. But, but one thing I do remember in, in middle school art, we, we did something where we, we took clay and, and we put it on a pottery wheel and it looked just like this, well maybe not this color, but we took a clump of clay and we put it there and the, the wheel would spin and as the wheel, again, those of you that are artists, you can correct me later on, I don't know the exact, just go with me on this, but, but uh, the, the exact way that you do it, but you would s- carefully start molding the clay into a clay pot or a clay bowl, and, and you would continue to work on it, and the, the, the thing would spin around, and, and you would smooth out the edges, and you would continue working on it. It wasn't just plop the clay down, all right, I'm done. It was continued to be worked on until you had this finished product. Well... We are not ever going to be fully a finished, wholly perfect project in God's eyes until the day he calls us home. But it doesn't mean he's not working on us. He's working on each and every one of us. Some of us have just put our faith in Jesus Christ in the past few weeks. And I tell you what, your life looks a little bit more like this and it's, it's a little lumpy and God's like, all right, we're going to start, we're, we're doing some big work over these next few weeks. Others of you, have put your faith in Jesus Christ, some of you, 70 years ago. Doesn't mean God's finished. God's still ironing out some details of your life, still working on some things. He continues to work. See, I I want you to be reminded, I know life can become mundane sometimes, and we go through life, and some of you maybe are just in this rut of like, All right, tomorrow starts another week. Here we go again. But God is working in your life. I promise you that. He's working to make you holy, and he's working so that you can be used by him to further his kingdom and reach the lost of Lake Grove, of Center of Smithtown, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, with your friend group, and even within your families. God is working in you. So I want you to be encouraged that you have a reason for being alive today and a reason that you're here today. For those of you who haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I just want to encourage you to think about it. It's a reality that I don't think most sensible people would argue with, that all of us are going to die at some point. And so my question for you, for those of you who haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ yet, is what is your answer going to be when you die and you're standing before God, what's your answer going to be? Are you going to bank on your resume? Are you going to bank on your trials? Because I can assure you, friends, that's not good enough for me, for you, for anyone. Or are you going to say, I trust in Jesus? I trust in Jesus. Because when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He'll look us in the eyes and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this reminder this morning. God, we realize those of us who have put our faith and trust in you, we are not perfect. We are not better than anyone else here, God. We thank you for your gospel, your your free gift that you have given us to accept. God, I pray that we recognize we must be born again and live for you. But, God, in that time, I pray we don't lose sight of eternity. We don't lose sight of where we're going to be spending the, the rest of our life, Lord. God, I pray that affects the decisions we make. I pray that affects um, the, the, um, the relationships we have. God, I pray that it affects those of us who have not put our faith and trust in you yet. God, that that changes everything. Lord, we recognize going to church does not get you saved. Running programs doesn't get you saved. Those are good things, but Lord, we are not worthy of your grace, but yet you extend this gift that we need to accept and put our faith and trust in you and in you alone and follow you and lay down our lives for the cause of the kingdom. Lord, I thank you that we can, as Christians, rally behind these three truths, and there are many more, but God, I pray that we can stand firm in these, knowing that we will not be shaken by what the world tries to sell us. God, we love you, and we worship you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, will you please...